0: Uh, well, this is great to be here and uh, I came last week and really liked it, so i thought <laughs> let 's uh, definitely coming back it 's good church uh, We felt very welcome and uh, very well thoroughly inducted uh, and looking forward to um, just beginning with you uh, as a as a couple uh, as a pastor here and um, i 've been uh, a little bit of a break for a few months so uh, my preaching muscles are a little bit flabby give me a couple of weeks to work into it but um, I want to first say uh, a thank you not that Lee is here but uh, uh, Lee Philp was very helpful in the past week um, when I started two weeks ago just in um, lots of information handing over things and uh, praying with me and I really appreciated that uh, and uh, it's not common to have a handover in, in churches. At my last church, Q Baptist, where I was a pastor for 10 years, uh, there was a, a two-year period between one senior pastor finishing and, and me starting. Uh, and uh, so it's, it's unusual, and uh, it's, it's great uh, to be able to have had that time uh, with Lee and that time to uh, just get a sense from him of the church community. I want you to know he said lots of great things about you and the church community, and... Uh, so that's good uh so i thought the next uh, this week and the next couple of weeks it might be good for you to to get to know me a little bit uh you know uh, hear a bit about uh, my own story which i'll share today i'll talk a little bit today also about our story of faith and, and how we can uh be sharing that and and how that sort of moves into god's story uh, the story of christ for us all uh, next week i want to talk a little bit about um theology matters like what what are some of the things that are the emphasis and, and things that I, I hold to and, and, uh, and believe, uh, why, why that's important in a church community, uh, why church's theology um, is important. The, the third week, I want to talk a bit about the church itself, you know, what, what is the church? How do I understand the church? What is church leadership? What does discipleship mean in the church and mission? Um, so over those three weeks, I thought I might, uh, we'll put an SMS number up on the screen soon, and if you like what I'm saying, you can vote to keep me on the island. So after, after week three, we'll tally up the votes and, uh, and see how I go. So I'll do my best and um, we'll go from there. But um, for today, let's share a little bit about um, our stories, um, my story of faith. I want to hear a little bit as I get to know you all, your story of faith. Uh, I'm hopefully going to be able to control uh, the slides here. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, maybe I use this thing. Turn it on. And uh, I pointed up at Sam there. Thanks, Sam. Oh, my gosh, this is amazing. <laughs> Technology here, it's, it's incredible. And uh, thank you to Rachel and the team for leading in, in worship as well, because uh, a lot of work goes into that uh, for a team to practice Wednesday night and be here early. And uh, we get to come along and enter into that and sing. So really appreciate that ministry. So thank you to the team. Well, I want to um, mention the, the word story. And we love stories. Uh, I love stories. Uh, if you've noticed in the Bible, if you've read the Bible, there's a lot of stories. Uh, there's heaps of narrative, heaps of different stories. Just think of Genesis with um, the patriarchs and matriarchs and, and there's, there's all these stories of people's lives and their dealings with God. And then you get Jesus and, and he comes along and he tells stories about you know losing coins and Sons who go off, unruly sons who go off to the wild lands and, and disobey their father. He tells stories. And I kind of think, why does God do this? Why does God communicate to us through stories? I'm not going to answer that. That's something for you to think about. That God tells us stories and he communicates to us with stories. I don't know if you've ever heard this phrase, a picture is worth a thousand words but a story is worth a thousand pictures a picture is worth a thousand words but a story is worth a thousand pictures Steve Jobs if you know him he was the the guy who worked for Apple and created Apple I don't know what he did but I've got an iPhone and he had something to do with it (laughs) he said this and I, I like it The most important person in the world is the storyteller. Now, it's a bit over the top, but the point is stories are powerful. And not all stories are good, though. Not all stories are helpful. Not all stories uh, lead to glorifying God or lead to honoring Christ. There are plenty of stories in our culture, plenty of stories which are destructive and which are harmful. But just for now, we'll get to Steve off the screen there for a moment. Uh, let me share a bit about my story. Uh, I was uh, born at a very early age. And um, <laughs> there's a bit of a, a snapshot of, of my life, really. Before I met Jesus, I was uh, born down in Glenelg there somewhere. grew up here in Adelaide till I was about 20, 21. And then I left the shores and uh, went up to Sydney. But while I was here, I grew up in a non-Christian family... Uh, never went to church my Greek grandmother um, those two in the middle that's not my grandmother that's my Greek great-grandfather and grandmother uh, who came over from Cyprus um, 1910 or something lived in Port Pirie and uh, my Yaya my Greek grandmother uh, lived there in Port Pirie that's where my mum grew up and the the Greek family on that side and um, Yaya took me to church a couple of times as a kid but it was Greek Orthodox and literally it was all Greek to me. Uh, the whole thing was Greek, it was just Greek. And I didn't know what was going on, there was incense, there was people throwing water, it was kind it of an amazing experience but it didn't mean anything to me. So I did, that was my church experience growing up, my understanding of Christianity. I remember a teacher once, maybe in primary school, a relief teacher, um, telling a story about Jesus at Easter but that was kind of it. Uh, so I grew up here in Adelaide and uh, through my teens um, lived a pretty wild life to be honest. Uh, My mum and dad separated when I was about four or five, had a very uh, very conflicted relationship. My only memories of childhood really are are, are them fighting. I remember them physically fighting one night and then dad um, kind of getting up the next morning and backing out the driveway while my mum and my sister were there crying. And um, I was about five and um, backing out the driveway and dad was gone. Uh, we are in touch now which is good we've been in touch for a long time but that was pretty heavy as a child and grew up my mum was from an abusive family her father was a very abusive man and very um, traumatic upbringing she had so she was pretty wild She was a bit of a hippie and um, I love my mum she was a, a loving mum uh, she died in 1998 here in Adelaide uh, so a long time ago but I grew up with a single mum, lived down at Glenelg, Brighton, Seacliff, all around that coast area, and pretty much into my teens, got into all sorts of crazy stuff that teens get into. Uh, I was um, started smoked marijuana for the first time when I was 12, uh, and then fortunately had a few years break, um, otherwise it, uh, I might never have recovered. And then from about 15, I uh, started working as an apprentice chef, I dropped out of school. I was actually technically kicked out, um, but... Um, <laughs> But it wasn't all my fault, that's another story. It, it, was, it was the principal and um, you know what that can be like. But um, I didn't finish year 10 and uh, ended up becoming an apprentice chef, got a job, and did really well at that. But I was just living the party life, doing lots of, of crazy stuff over those teen years. By the time I got to about 19, uh, I was working down McLaren Vale as a fourth year apprentice chef at a winery and um, was driving home one night, Saturday night late and doing about 80 down Seaford somewhere and a couple of guys came out of a side street in their car, a couple of young guys without their lights on and came right in front of me and I hit them uh, full on without braking and their car rolled about 50 meters and they ended up having to cut them out with the jaws of life and my car kinda of spun around, it was a HQ Holden station wagon so I won that battle um, <laughs> of the cars and it, it, it left me with multiple um, lacerations and my face smashed and hit the steering wheel I was um, in trauma and shock and I'm laying on the side of the road at 19 and I have my chef uniform on there's, there's blood flowing from different parts of my body uh, I'm crying I'm in shock and I'm laying there with glass around me and in my heart I just remember saying I wish I'd died that was 19 that was that was my life up where I got to at 19 I was so sad i was so lost i was so so disillusioned so without hope and without purpose as i was laying there my disappointment was that i was still alive and around that time a couple of people had come into my life one of them was an old friend from high school um, who was as bad as me at high school in terms of creating you know trouble and stirring things up and and we were great partners in crime and he'd become a christian he looked me up and came into my life around that time and it started to share his faith with me and then at uh, the winery where i worked i got put in this kitchen each week with um uh this lady called lynn who was a single mother who was a christian and she began to open up and share a bit about her faith with me and asked me if i believed in god and actually i believed in everything i was right into the new age i was right into all sorts of stuff i was very spiritual i was into transcendental meditation my mum was into all of that stuff so i was, I was a very spiritual person so i thought and very proud about that um and she started to share with me about jesus and i didn't really know much about him so these two people came into my life and i i began to contemplate and think about god and who jesus was and um and over that time life felt like it got worse i think as i came to the realization that there there is a god and that jesus is real i started to feel nervous well what does that mean for me and when I had that accident I had a couple of weeks at home recuperating in in bed and off work and I remember laying there some nights just in real fear thinking what would have happened if I died like I kind of wanted to die because life felt so painful and purposeless but what would have happened if, if I died who where would I have gone what would have happened and I I went through this and I became really stirred up about the afterlife and eternity And eventually i ended up you know hanging out with some christian people i was invited to church i remember meeting the minister for the first time and i was really scared Um, it's funny because now i'm a minister Um, and i remember thinking oh he'll be able to see right through me he'll be like a really holy person now minister i know that's not true we're just normal people Um, and i went along and then a couple of people invited me to a concert at the century hotel uh, on a saturday night it was a heavy metal christian band was playing at the century hotel i don't even know if the century hotel is still there in heinley street um, and i went along and i knew i had to go but i had this real battle all day you know that part of me was like no i'm not going to go to that and then yeah you should go and i walked into the century hotel it was a dark dingy hotel and on the left i could see like my my normal crowd all the people at the bar uh, all the people just hanging off the bar drinking you know whatever and on the other side, I could see all the shiny, bright Christians. <laughs> and um, they just looked so different. It was like light and like dark. And I remember walking into the Century Hotel. And it was like before me was a choice. I was like, what do I do here? And then someone over here, this side of the crowd, who recognized me, who knew me, um, called me over. And I started talking with these folks. Listen listened to the band. To be honest, I don't remember anything they said or sung. I don't think anyone understood what they were singing. It was, <laughs> it was heavy metal. Um, LAUGHTER but afterwards, were like you know, 1 a.m., we're out Saturday night you know, in, in Hynley Street, and a couple of these guys, these long-haired heavy metal dudes, start talking to me. And I was in bands and stuff, so I like band guys, dudes. And they started sharing, and one guy, I don't know his name, he starts sharing his testimony, he starts sharing his story of faith, how he was into drugs and the occult and how his life went down, he became suicidal, and, and then, you know, he, he, he cried out to God and and gave his life to jesus and god saved him and forgave him and filled him with the spirit And i'm listening to this going this is amazing that's that's what i want i want that you know and he looks at me and he says nick when you go home tonight get down on your knees pray to god ask jesus to come into your life i was like yeah i'm gonna do that i'm really gonna do that and i think he could see that i had faith and he says well so why don't says, why don't we pray now? Do you want to pray now? Um, I said, yeah. I've never prayed with people before, but let's do it. Um, so there we were, 1 a.m., Saturday night, Hindley Street, all the cars going by, beeping, yelling out, whatever. These two heavy metal guys, or three of them, put their arms around me, and they pray for me. And they just, I don't remember what they prayed, and, and then kind of they went silent. I thought, well, this must be my time to pray. <laughs> um, and so I just prayed, Jesus, come into my heart. That's my first prayer. (laughs) And Jesus came into my heart. And for the first time in my life, I felt clean. I felt like something was washing from inside of me. I felt like I'd, what the Bible calls, been born again. I had no language for it. The Holy Spirit. And then I felt like there was this haze or smoky scent all around me. I didn't quite know what it was. I was trying to get it all, you know, what is this? It was like this presence this this real presence and i know now it was the holy spirit and that was the start of my christian journey um there on heinley street all those years ago i thought about that in hindsight and sometimes i've wondered okay it was 19 when a couple of christians sought me out to share their faith with me surely there were other christians in my life before that surely there were other christians who were under a cloak of silence <laughs> i was staying in the closet in my life and i remember one in particular when i was apprentice chef going into adelaide working before this on the bus i got talking with this guy and i know now looking back that he was a christian the reason i know that he was a christian this cultural reference may or not may not make any sense to you but at the time i remember him saying one night he was going to a concert one night and he said i said who and he said amy grant Yeah, Some of you get it, right? I didn't know who that was. But years later, I'm like, aha, he was a Christian. And he was a lovely guy, but um, no, he never outed himself. But thankfully, a couple of people in my life did. And that guy at the Century Hotel, who I don't know his name, you know, Lynn sowed the seeds. I never saw her again once I had that car accident. Greg, I've been in touch with over the years. They sowed the seeds. Their story, God used their story, their testimony, their witness to bring me, to himself. The good news about that is that's what God wants to do with all of us. Like Melinda said last week, Jesus calls us to follow him, not just you know aimlessly along passively, but to follow him to be part of his transforming plan for humanity, that we get to partner with him, that he will use our stories, our lives to bring faith and blessing to others. And this particular verse in Titus, I remember, it was one of the first verses I remember reading in the Bible. Um, May have lost it there, but it might be on the screen. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. That was my life. We lived in malice and envy. Yep, I knew malice and envy. Being hated and hating one another. Yep, had some pretty rough times with people. But... When the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us. Why? Because we were really good people? Because we worked really hard, tried really hard? We were upright, moral citizens? No, no. He saved us not because of any righteous things that we had done, He saved us because of His mercy. His mercy, which means no one deserves to be saved no one deserves to have christ die for us but because of his mercy he saved us and in this part i remember reading this in the bible when i first became a christian and i remember beginning to cry he saved us through the washing of rebirth and i was like aha that's what happened to me that's what happened in that street i felt washed like inwardly he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the holy spirit and i was like "Ah." That must be that presence that I sensed around me, whom he poured out on us generously. Oh, that happened to me through Jesus Christ our Saviour. So that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of salvation. And what about your story? You've all got a story. Uh, everyone has a story. Every follower of Jesus has a story. It might not be you know, dramatic or um, you know, as crazy as mine, but God wants to use your story Use your faith in him to bless, to help, and to ultimately for others to be saved. I want you to do something just for a moment, a 30-second exercise, okay? I'm going to give you a question, and you've got to partner up with someone, and you're going to have maybe 25 seconds each to answer the question, okay? I'm going to give you any notice. So when I say the question, I'm going to say go. So you've got to be able to talk to someone. Now, the question is, what's good about the good news of Jesus? Go. One of you share with the other one. What's good about the good news of Jesus? Okay, now you've got to swap the other person. What's good about the good news of Jesus? Now you've already got the answer from the other person, I know, but... Um, okay, well, well done. Now that's, that's the question that, that you need to answer to, to someone who asks. You know, that, that's what we're answering is, why are you Christian? Why, why is Jesus good news? And if we can readily have an answer to that in our lives, we're ready to respond. Um, now, not everyone is called or gifted to be an evangelist. Um, I'm sure Lynn, the single moment at my work, wouldn't have called herself an evangelist, but she was engaging in evangelism. Not everyone's called to that, but every disciple, every follower of Jesus, we're, we're called to bear witness to our faith. Now, what's a witness? A witness is someone who's seen something and heard something. That's all. I saw this. I heard this. This is what happened to me. That's bearing witness. Martin Lord Jones was a a great preacher in London many years ago, and he said it's the fundamental teaching of Scripture that as Christians, we're all saved, not only that we may be safe, but also in order that God may use us In the salvation of others that is god's way of evangelizing and i looked up the baptist church um, south australia foundational values this week i've got to read a lot of stuff they've sent me documents and things just to make sure i'm you know okay with my theology and I, I i like i'm okay they're great here it's fantastic it's pretty much the same as the baptist in victoria they say this in one of their foundational values we believe that every believer in jesus christ is called to witness with love and compassion to the lordship of jesus every believer we believe that the church is to share the whole mission of god with the world now just in case mbbc you know had a different set of values i check yours as well ours and they were the same uh, the, the very same this is from our statement of faith this church declares its belief in Jesus Christ commissioning his church to evangelize the whole world why don't we say that together after I say this church believes in this church declares its belief in Jesus Christ commissioning his church to evangelize the whole world I'll go on from there each believer then has a duty which believer Amen. each believer you're a great I love this I'm, uh, you actually talk back I'm not used to that. Thank you. It's great. Each believer has a duty to bear witness to the gospel of Christ in daily life and to share in the task of reaching the world. So, how do we share our story of faith without you know, scaring people, without necessarily putting people off? Um, I think just quickly, we'll, we'll wrap this up with a few um, points from the letter of Peter written to churches in modern day Turkey. Uh, you think of where he was writing some of these letters to. Uh, in a, let's say mount barker was one of those towns we would be the only christian community in that whole town so he's writing to them they're persecuted they're oppressed people scorn them uh, the authorities are cracking down on them they're mocked they're, they're laughed at some of the people in the church have lost their jobs uh, because of their stand for christ there are people who know what it's like to suffer for the gospel of christ so what does peter do when he writes to him does he say okay just hold your tongue be nice don't say anything so keep your heads down, cut yourself off from the world. No, no, he actually writes to encourage them to be faithful in their witness, in the midst of all these dangers, in the midst of all these challenges. And, and here's part of his letter in, in chapter 3, verse 13. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats and do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, i.e., why is Jesus good news? But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior, which they were doing in Christ, may be ashamed of their slander. So Peter, um, sorry that's a bit small, I'm going to get used to the settings here Peter says firstly in that passage to the Christians about their witness and their faith and sharing that he says be courageous don't be afraid and I think in our culture today we sometimes feel that there's you know not everyone's happy to have you know churches around and there's some hostile voices in culture and media Uh, we get that you know 100 years ago it was quite popular to be a Christian and many people were Christians that's not the case now uh, the good thing about that is you generally know whoever's in church is there, not because they have to be, because it's culturally acceptable, but because they want to be, and that's a good thing. But don't be frightened. Don't be afraid. What, what's the worst that someone can do for, to you if you're a Christian and you're standing, sharing your faith in Jesus? What's the worst they can do? They can kill you. And that's not so bad. It's not so bad, right? Jesus said, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body. He said, fear God who has authority after that to determine your eternal state. So don't be frightened, be courageous. And then Peter says, this is me summarising Peter, he didn't use these exact words, be clear, Um, should be the next one, but don't speak Christianese, this is my summary of Peter. What really helped me in my journey to faith was people talking in a way that was down to earth. In a way I could understand. They didn't use all flowery church language and, you know, like, have you been washed in the blood? They didn't kind of use heavy theological terms. They spoke in a way that I could understand. I think each of you has a personality, you have a history, you have a a way of being who you are. You know, God wants to use you as you are, your personality, your history, your experience to share with others. So be natural um, and be down to earth. I think speak in ways that are authentic and honest. Even to the degree, you know, you can say to someone, oh, you know, what did you do on the weekend? I went to church. Oh, what do you go to church for? You know, you, you've got an open opportunity, or, or even being honest to the point, I was thinking about this this week, thinking, yeah, you know, even saying to a friend at work or someone, you know, if they ask about your faith, well, I've been going through a really hard time. And you know, life's really difficult at the moment. I've got family challenges, I've got financial pressures, I've got some personal challenges. It's really hard. But I, I just find that, you know, anchoring my life in God and worship each week and being part of the Christian community. You know, having the scriptures to give me strength and comfort really helps me, really gives me strength. You don't have to be perfect. I mean, if God could only use perfect people to do his work, he'd have to do it all on his own. (laughs) (laughs) And then thirdly, be careful how you speak. Um, Now, look, the gospel can't be completely unoffensive. We can't completely make Jesus, you know, totally unoffensive. Jesus rightly offends us. You know, when he speaks the truth to us, when he speaks what is right, it, it can, you know, get our pride up. But be careful how we share. Don't unnecessarily offend. We we all know of Christian groups or people in culture and society. Perhaps they way the way they go about sharing faith, they're well intentioned and they have a heart, but they end up just really unnecessarily offending and burning people um, by the way they go about it. So Peter says, do this with gentleness and respect keeping a clear conscience like respect other people and I love them and share your story of faith with gentleness and respect there's a little um, graph here I'll share with you some of you may have seen it it's called the Engel scale It was uh, designed by some guy called Engel um, so that's not like a, a, a Latin word for something it's just his name but the point of this scale is he highlights that people have a journey a continuum to faith and when lynn spoke into my life she sowed some seeds she didn't reap the harvest that was the nameless guy in hindley street he got to reap the harvest he he did nothing right what did he do lynn was sharing for a few months and praying for me and my friend greg was doing all the work answering all my questions like where did god come from um they did all the hard work uh you know they sowed all the seeds but it was the nameless guy in hindley street who got me to the orange one there where i gave my life to christ but everyone played a part even meeting a christian i can't remember meeting a christian till i was 19 and when i did when my friend greg came over and i said i'm going to make a cup of coffee but i suppose you won't have one will you and he said why i said well well, christians wouldn't have drugs would they (laughs) that was my understanding of what a christian was so meeting greg an old friend you know who his life was changed he he was a changed person um, that was a big step just to meet a christian who didn't freak me out it wasn't weird so we all play a part in that scale and it's encouraging to know we don't have to do the whole thing have all the answers it might just be a kind word a timely word uh, just a good deed um, whatever it might be that god can use you in your life uh, for his purposes and ultimately all of this is for his story uh, my story of faith is important to a certain level your story of faith is important to a certain level But ultimately, God is drawing our story up into his story. It's all about him. He makes our story. He doesn't like rub us out. He grafts our story into into his book, into his chapter, and he makes our lives part of his story. And the more we go into him, the more our story becomes his story, his story becomes our story, and the more rich our lives are. My story, your story, in fact the story of every human being alive and dead is being drawn up into his story. Our calling as Christians, as a church, is to announce to the nations to declare that Jesus is King. He is the divine judge of the living and the dead and everyone, every one day, every eye will see him every heart will know every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that this jesus that we tell our story about is actually the lord and god of human history and eternity to the glory of god the father and revelation chapter one puts it like this to him who loves us And has freed us from our sins by his blood or his death and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his god and father so his god and father becomes our god and father his story becomes our story to him be glory and power forever and ever amen and then john says look behold he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him even those who pierced him and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him and a little bit of a greek word insight there that word mourn is like beating your breasts like they'll be like there'll be this overwhelming sense of the power and glory of jesus as he comes so shall it be amen this is the story That Jesus draws us up into this is the story that we're called to share and announce people may not like it they might not agree with it they might reject it not everyone who hears the good news of Jesus not everyone who hears your story of faith will believe and be saved but no one will believe and be saved who hasn't heard the good news of Jesus not everyone who hears the good news of Jesus will believe and be saved, but no one will believe or can believe and can be saved apart from hearing that good news. And that's what we're called to. Now, sometimes I think a message like this, people are like, oh, you know, great, got the whole evangelism spiel and got to go out there and do stuff. You know, I've got family pressures, I've got work pressures, I've got financial pressures. Now, this guy's putting like church pressures on me, you know, the guilt trip, you know. No, it's not that at all it's a sense of invitation how lucky are we how how privileged are we that God you know me laying there as a 19 year old wishing I was dead that God said no actually I might use your life for something different and as people shared Jesus with me and he came into my life I get to be part of God's story I get to be part of his work in this world It's a privilege it's an honor it's not a guilt trip so let's be a church i'm sure you already are um, that has a story to tell a story about the greatness the love the forgiveness that is available through jesus bless you rachel and bless you again I was about to say, can the team come up? I'll pray, and then we're going to sing and worship together. And if you have any questions about the message, or want to talk to me, I'm available. I've also put some notes together for you at the door as you go. If you want notes from today's message, there's like the small version. If you can read that, you're welcome. Well, there's a large version if your eyes are a bit more challenged like mine. Uh, feel free to grab them. I might send it out as a PDF this week if you want to follow up on some of those readings and some of those points and uh, prayerfully consider them this week. Uh, you can do that grab that as you go out so let me pray for us heavenly father we thank you so much for the good news of jesus we we thank you that every person is valuable and precious that every person's story matters to you Um, but lord thank you that we're not here to just promote our own story we're not here to put our own story forward as the story we're here to submit the story of our lives to your great story of salvation, of redemption, of saving this world from darkness and sin and death. So Lord Jesus, help us this week, each of us, to be ready to share why Jesus is good news. Lord, help us to know afresh, maybe that news has become a bit stale for us. Maybe we're, we're feeling wounded or grieved or just burnt out or stressed out. Lord, help us come back to you this week and rediscover that you are good news, that you're not wanting to constrict our life and crush us, but you're wanting to give us life and build us up and strengthen us. So, Father, bless us as we go about sharing this story. Bless all the churches in Mount Barker as together we uh, share the good news of Jesus, that he is the one in whom Uh, we can trust and praise and love and worship and yield our lives to. Lord, bless us to that end, we pray. Amen.